In the 1980s, Peter Beeler was working for a TV production company in Los Angeles. And I would walk by this small, uh, what's called an insert stage in Hollywood terms, meaning a small stage, which is usually used for close-ups of people's hands on a telephone or somebody picking a hand, picking up a drink or whatever like that. Small, small close-up shots. But in this case, this studio was just bustling. There were phone operators sitting at tables, taking calls. Uh, there was a, a, a stage in, in which interviews were taking place. There were some demonstrations taking place at, at, in another corner of the studio. Eventually cornered somebody that I thought looked sympathetic and open to talking about it. And he described it's a show that it actually doesn't have ads in it. It is an ad. What Peter was seeing was something called direct response television. You probably know it as infomercials. Direct response is just what it sounds like. It's an ad that asks you, the viewer, to buy something, usually by calling a number. This format dates back to 1949. Ladies and gentlemen, in presenting Home Miracles for 1950, I'm going to give you a demonstration of one of the most wonderful machines that was ever invented, the Vitamix machine. And I'm going to talk to you on the most vital subject. Since that first Vitamix ad, direct response has evolved into the infomercials we recognize today. Long-form versions are 28 and a half minutes, and short ones are two minutes. It wasn't until the late 80s, when the Reagan administration deregulated the airwaves, that infomercials really took off, filling up the cheapest slots late at night or early in the morning. This is the format that Peter Beeler got hooked on, and he started making his own. Eventually, it wasn't right away, but eventually this product came to me. It was called the V-Toner. It had been pitched on television a few times as a kind of a gym in a bag uh, kind of thing. You know, you could throw it in your suitcase and it was kind of pitched as being a handy exerciser. And I did not think handy was what people were looking for. I thought people were looking for something that was effective. And I focused on um, on thighs. Some people were born with great legs, but the rest of us have to work at it. I used to do aerobics till I dropped. Then I found Thighmaster. Every single time you squeeze... The skill that's needed is a marketing skill. It's not an inventing skill. There's more inventors out there producing these these kinds of uh, household products uh, that and fitness products and and gadgets than there are people that know have the knowledge and the, and the financial basis to bring them to the marketplace. Hello and welcome to Rework, a podcast by Basecamp about the better way to work and run your business. I'm Waylon Wong. And I'm Sean Hildner. Waylon, have you ever bought anything off an infomercial? I have not, although I'm totally the kind of person who would. I think the only person I know who actually has is our head of people ops, Andrea. Should we give her a call? Yes. Pick up the phone, Andrea. Hello. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? Doing good. So can you tell me about this egg thing you bought off the TV? (laughs) Yeah, it's called um, an it's called the egglet, um, and it is. So it was. I'll just give you the backstory. It was like three in the morning. I was on maternity leave, so I was up feeding the baby, um, and the, the infomercial came on TV. So, like going into it, I was sleep deprived and emotional. Um, <laughs> so it's six silicone um, containers, egg shaped containers with like a plastic screw top. And the idea is, um, if you don't want to hard boiled eggs, the old fashioned way, you can crack 
an egg into the little silicone cup and then boil the silicone cup. Um, and then you get your hard boiled egg. Um, it's supposed to just kind of pop right out of it. Um, so yeah, I ordered six and then I got six free, um, for, you know, the limited time only. How much was, how much was the, the six plus six? <laughs> they were $25, <laughs> but I also got a, uh, microwave egg cooker. Well, now you're making money. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, so, would you say it's, it, it was worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. I, I like have a weird, I really don't like peeling hard boiled eggs. They always get messy and I get frustrated. Um, so I guess, like, I guess it's worth it. It's like such a nothing, um, problem to have, but it did solve that problem for me. That's awesome. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Infomercials and as-seen-on-TV ads have a reputation of being really corny and formulaic, but the products sold via infomercials rake in billions of dollars in sales every year. There's something about the formula that works. On today's show, we explore what infomercials can teach us about sales and marketing and look at how the basic principles of direct response TV live on in more modern formats. So don't change the channel. We're going back to Peter Beeler and the Thighmaster. When these muscle groups get out of shape, the result is flabby thighs. Thighmaster is designed to isolate and strengthen these muscles. That's why it works so quickly. That's why I recommend it and use it myself. I thought I'd never fit in this. So it was my idea right from the very beginning that I was going to go into retail stores as quickly as I could. The percentage of the population that is going to watch a product demonstration or pitch on television and pick up a phone and order it uh, was relatively small. You're really walking away from a very large audience if you don't get it into stores at the height of its of its popularity on television. In other words, you know, when it's running heaviest, that's when you want to get into the stores. And that's what I did. Uh, so I only ran it for about a month and a, a month and a half or so, I think, before I, I approached all the major uh, retail chains. And uh, they took orders because they were, you know, buyers were seeing it on television at that point. I, you know, six million or so of the, uh, units of the product uh, in about 18 months and, you know, four and a half of those were sold in stores and a million and a half were sold in, um, in direct response. This is the way direct response TV still works today. And a lot of people think that the money in as seen on TV is made through the television commercial. That's really not the case. This is Carrie Jeske. She helps inventors get their products on TV and into stores. We still make money at the retail store level. So what the TV is used for is testing, testing the name of the product, testing the price point of the product, testing the right features and the benefits that you're pitching. Because for every one person that buys on TV, about 10 to 15 people will still buy at the store level. And that's where the money's made. According to Carrie, the life cycle of an as-seen-on-TV product is relatively short, just one to five years. But hit products can sell five to eight million units a year. If you're an independent inventor with an idea for the next pad egg or Snuggie, Carrie will license that product, pay you a royalty, and take on the TV commercials and distribution. She knows about the industry because she was once an inventor. The sun is a welcome friend encouraging outdoor fun, but it can also transform itself into a relentless enemy. Get quick relief from the scorching sun with the innovative sports shade. The sports shade is a portable shade. I think it was 20 years ago now. It's amazing how time flies, but... 
my husband and I played uh, softball, and we were in our 40s at the time. We were playing against a lot of 20-year-old teams, and you'd have to get in and out of the dugout quick. And so I said, can you Jiffy rig me something that can be quick shade, some kind of a portable shade product that we can move quickly in and out? And so he came up with Sport Shade, a portable retractable awning. So the next time you go out in the sun, don't forget the Sport Shade, solace in the sun. So it failed miserably. And that was uh, quite disappointing, you know, to invest that money in the in the two minute TV commercial and then have it fail. But I did learn a lot. Something that's $169 is not a good candidate for a two minute TV commercial. Um, Really, anything under 50 is the price point. So price is important. And before you even get there, you need the right kind of product. One that solves a problem, whether people even know they have that problem. You want TV viewers to go, oh yeah, I do hate chopping ingredients for salad. Or I am looking for an easy way to tone my abs. The problem that you're solving is critical. It can't be just a a nice-to-have product. It's got to be really something of value to the market. Well, you need to establish a, a, a need. Uh, and it has to be a widespread need because you're paying, when you buy, uh, you know, media time, you're buying an awful lot of eyeballs. If your potential buyers uh, are only, you know, 30% of, of the people who are watching, then you're probably not going to make a go of it. In other words, you know, you, you really don't want to do an infomercial for curlers or, you know, or about curlers. I met people who play the sport. Curlers themselves would be fine, right? Because that's 50% of the audience. Once you've got a product, it's time to make the ad. And the infomercial has to set up the problem and show in a clear and direct way how the product solves that problem. It has to have some kind of a wow factor. These are impulse items. Like for my canopy, it was uh, how quickly it rolled up. The little scene where it you know, sucks itself back into the canister. Set up and take down in just seconds. It's easy to use. Just hook, pull, swing, and stake. Everything is so then you you be, need to be able to make some be, uh, believable uh, you know claims and then you need to provide some authority for those claims why some people should believe all across America people are discovering what personal trainers like myself have known for years with thigh master it's easy to squeeze squeeze your way to shapely hips and thighs but that's not all uh, you need a very good offer you need you know the that's the overlooked part of infomercials you need to have a price point and you know upsells and if somebody's on the verge of buying or not buying then they can hear about something else as part of the product that they really want and that tips them into a buying position that's why tv is used as a rigorous testing ground like carrie said earlier advertisers make multiple versions of commercials and run them in small local markets the ads might have different product names or prices or they might highlight different features First test you do is, a, you know, what I call a does America love you test. I mean, you know, you just go out with your basic, with your basic infomercial, uh, and you can tell very quickly. I mean, it's, it's an amazingly small buy. How, how success is measured in, in the direct response business is by something called the media efficiency ratio. It's basically the gross revenues divided by the cost of the media. So basically, if you, if you spend a dollar in media and you make two dollars for every sale, you have a two to one ratio. And you need to have a fairly high ratio for it to work. I was looking for something like maybe a one six five or one seven 
uh, a ratio between revenues and and uh, media costs. And that's what you test about. You buy a small test, $25,000 or even quite a bit less. I think you can tell with a lot less. Uh, you go through an agency, you buy that time and, and you're looking to see what kind of a ratio you get. Um, if you get like a one-to-one, you're not going to make it, you know, or you're not going to make it without a lot of reworking. You get a one-five, maybe you think, well, I can maybe change a few things and eke it up to the where I need it to be, which is a one seven to a two to a two or above. I mean, if you're two or above, you're really in for a treat. So when we when we put out the Thigh Master in the first test, it didn't work. America did not love us. It was a failure and it was clearly a failure at the point where it could not be fixed by something like a price point change. And really the the problem was the first time we shot it, you know, Suzanne insisted on wearing a kind of a brown suit. For you millennials out there, this is Suzanne Summers, a television actress who was very famous in the late 70s and early 80s. Peter signed her up to pitch the thigh master. She said, I think I'd be more believable or I'll have a better presence if I'm not, you know, in a leotard. Well, she was wrong <laughs> because she was really wrong. The secret to shapely thighs is exercising these muscles with just the right resistance. Too little is ineffective, too much may be painful. This balance. The testing process is very well defined and extremely fine tuned. It's, it's really a thing of beauty. One of my products that I found was the Get Up and Go Cane. Standing up from a sitting position can be a real challenge, and reaching out for unsteady objects can be dangerous. Well, not anymore. Now there's the Get Up and Go Cane, the first cane with a second handle. At one point, we called it the Mobile Cane. So you run the same commercial, everything's the same, only one's Mobile Cane, one's Get Up and Go Cane. And then you see that, oh, the Get Up and Go Cane name resonated more, sales were better. So now once we have that established, let's figure out price point. So let's run a whole other series of two-minute TV commercials with the price point different. So now the names get up and go cane. We got everything solid on the features, and we're going to run it at $19.95 and $39.95. And it turns out that, oh, lucky for us, $39.95 did better. So that's a great thing to have happen because then you find out that, wow, all the costs are the same, whether it's 19 or 39, but now at 39, you basically double your profit. The Get Up and Go Cane is perfect for temporarily rehabbing or for difficult spaces like your car or the washroom so you can enjoy the independence you deserve. Order yours today. We live in a world now where you can't just upload one video to Facebook and call it a day. You actually really need to upload 20 versions of that video to Facebook and then optimize based on the best performing audience. This is Rachel Tipograph. You may consider what she's doing the next generation of direct response advertising. Things that you're looking to optimize for is what I first call the hook or other people call the climax. Like what's going to be that first image and first line of caption copy that's going to get the most people to continue watching through the duration of the video. Rachel is the founder and CEO of Micmac, a startup that makes mobile video ads for social platforms like Instagram and Snapchat. These ads are product videos, but they're short, usually between 7 and 12 seconds. For those of you keeping track, infomercials have gone from a two-hour live show to 28 and a half minutes to two minutes to a matter of seconds. And then if you're doing this within an environment like Instagram Stories or Snap, the reality is you really only have three seconds. And the most important thing that you need a user to do is to get them to hit add to cart. What brands don't realize is that no one's watching the majority of the rest of your video. 
you really need to focus on the first three seconds. So we create multiple variations within that first three seconds. And then once we understand what's the best version of the creative against which audience segment, we'll then optimize the rest of the creative. So um, we're working with a chronic deodorant brand. And when we first started working with them, they gave us seven key customer segments that they felt like were the people most likely to buy their product. Within the first 48 hours of us flighting creative, we really learned that it was about the female athlete. So then we doubled down on all content and then literally optimized all of the frames and all of the copy to cater towards that female athlete. There are enough viewers of TV infomercials to sustain entire cable channels dedicated to nothing but that kind of programming. But these viewers skew older and they don't live their lives on their phones the way younger people do. If you put on QVC or HSN in uh, a household, what will happen is the 45 and above year old women, they'll start to really watch. Why? Because they grew up watching long form content programming. The millennial generation, aka my generation, or even younger than me, Gen Z, you put that on and it's background noise because we don't consume content that way. But the psychological principles of what makes it work still apply. One of those principles is a friendly face. These ads only work if the person pitching the product on camera is friendly and believable, just like Suzanne Summers was when she talked about the Thighmaster. It's what psychologists call a parasocial relationship, where you, the viewer, believe that I, the host, am your friend. And when you buy from me, you get the same emotional benefit as friendship. You know, since, since uh, Facebook and Instagram are such, a, such large verticals, the, what seems to work the best on, on those verticals is this very personalized uh, approach. I mean, it kind of copies, if you will, the average experience on on, uh, on Facebook or Instagram where you feel like you're talking to a friend. And that's the kind of ad that works. Now, I believe that ultimately all of Madison Avenue is going to come around with something like that. I think the days of, you know, story ads are almost all gone, right? Apart from maybe Geico and, you know, there are advertisers that use story ads, but, but, uh, but increasingly it's, it's, uh, uh, it's it's basically straight to camera pitches. People really gravitate per- towards personalities, and quirky um, is often the way that you get that person to hook. Um, so we look for people who have unique voices that almost you can imagine like they're really good like physical comedians that can capture someone's attention within three seconds. And then actually making sure that there's an authentic connection between the hosts and the products. So if I have a girl um, promoting like acne skincare products, but she has perfect skin, like you just, you can't fake that. Like, so we really look for people who can have an emotional connection with the products as well. So Peter, my last question for you is, do you still own a thigh master? Do you have boxes of them in your house? <laughs> well, you know, oh Lord. Uh, I, I did, you know, I did. Uh, and uh, I had, all, I don't know, 30 or something in my garage. But uh, my garage was broken into and and all they took was the thigh masters. So, you are kidding me. That's it. That, they, to wipe me out of thigh masters, you know, my 30 thigh masters. So when I went on a book tour, so I wrote this book, The Business Business Has Legs, about the whole experience. I had to put an ad in in, in one of the free newspapers around saying, if you have a thigh master, I'll buy it back from you for twice what you paid for it. Because I need to have them for the book tour so I can give them away to, to radio <laughs> interviewers and so on. So, 
So those people did well. They <laughs> they got all their money back plus, and then I demonstrated their thigh master on, on television or radio. Yeah, so your media efficiency ratio was uh, very bad then because you had to pay money to, uh, you had to put right. an ad and pay money <laughs> for these thigh masters exactly. to come back to you. Exactly, okay. exactly. <laughs> Rework is produced by Waylon Wong and me, Sean Hildner. Our theme music is Broken by Design by Clipart. Special thanks to Emma Cortland and Krista Ripple. Peter Beeler is the president of Media Funding, a financial services company that lends money to people making direct response advertising. His book about his thigh master experience is called This Business Has Legs, and I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll also link to Carrie Jeske's company, Will It Launch? And I'm going to link to an infomercial that Sean made for Basecamp 2. It's really funny. We are on Twitter at Rework Podcast. You can find show notes for this and every episode at our website, rework.fm. And if you want to call us and leave us a voicemail, we always love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 708-628-7850. Operators are standing by. Four easy payments. Of $39.95. Um, I have to admit something to you. Yes. I have no idea who Suzanne Summers is. Really? Yeah, really. Have you heard of the show Three's Company? No. I mean, I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it's about or ever seen it. I didn't grow up with TV. You were in a TV-less household? Yeah. Oh, Hippie man. parents. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Quick primer. Three's Company was a sitcom that ran on network TV from like the late 70s to the early 80s. And the premise of it is that there was this um, kind of this like swinging bachelor type played by John Ritter. Do you remember John Ritter? He passed away a few years ago. I don't think I could put a, a face to the name, but I remember him passing away and people being upset about it and having no idea who this person was. Yeah. So he was a big TV star also from this show. And he started it along with Suzanne Summers and this one actress. I'm sorry. I do not remember your name. You were the brunette. Suzanne Summers was <laughs> she didn't the blonde. Sell masters. This is very reductive of me. The brunette. Um, but the three of them lived together in an apartment, and the whole deal was that their either their landlord or their nosy neighbor, this older guy named Mr. Roper, was very disapproving of co-ed cohabitation. Uh-huh. And so they had to pretend that John Ritter's character, Jack, was gay. And so the whole thing was innuendo because also I think Mr. Roper's wife was – like very like sexually unsatisfied in that marriage. So she would always like come around and say inappropriate thing. Anyway, so the whole thing was like, we're pretending that this guy is gay and everything was just like sexual innuendo. And I remember the reruns used to come on when I was little and I would watch a little and just be really confused about it. Like I didn't find it funny and be like, oh, this just is like a show for grownups. And it honestly wasn't until maybe college. Like I was really old before (laughs) I discovered what the real premise was. And then I was like, oh, that's what it was about. And I had just had no idea for all these years I caught the reruns. It kind of sounds like a bad show. I think that if it aired today or even if today there was a news item saying that this was a show being pitched, that the Internet would like burn down with like hot takes and think pieces about how problematic it was. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been 
This edition yeah, of another uh, edition of Waylon explains pop culture to me. It's my favorite show. <laughs>